Welcome to the Legendary Upside Podcast. My name is Pat Crane. You can find all of my content at legendaryupside.com. With me today is Connor Rogers of NBC, of the Fantasy Football Happy Hour, of the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. Connor, how's it going? Good, Pat. It's good to reunite, man. How are you? Yeah, it, it is. We uh, we met on uh, the set uh, doing some uh, Matthew Berry's Fantasy Football Happy Hour together. Um, I did some guest spots with you guys and was very impressed with your knowledge of all the rookies Thank and you, have been listening to your NFL Stock Exchange podcast with Trevor Sikama, um, just devouring it. Because you guys have been really diving into the rookies and not just like now, like I am, but somehow on top of all the NFL stuff you do, you're doing like summer scouting on these guys and have been following these guys for years. So I think some really crucial context for uh, my listeners here who I think are kind of playing catch up a little bit like me on this class, getting some context around this rookie class. And I feel like that's the reality for what 90% of people that are working in football, maybe even that number might be higher, whether you're working in fantasy, whether you're uh, a team reporter or whatever it may be, because the reality is the calendar it only allows for so much. And the draft has always been, you know, kind of my bread and butter, even going back to Bleacher Report. It's what I wanted to do. And, and what Trevor and I have realized with Stock Exchange is that we, we didn't know until we just did it is there was an appetite the summer before an NFL draft to give people a baseline. And when we started doing it a few years ago, it was a very slow trickle. And then this year we really noticed how much people love it because they could just go into a college season and they got their hundred players or so that they have their eyes on for the draft. And there's going to be guys that things don't go right for them. There's going to be guys that go back to school, but you know, if there's 40% that are a big part of the draft, that's a major win. And I think for Trevor and I, it's helped our process because we get to track all of it for about 10 months. By the time you get to really this time of year, it, it just feels a little bit of a lighter load or you can get into UDFAs. Or you can get into deep in day three of the draft. So uh, I'm lucky I get to do it. I love doing it, and I, I hope it helps anyone that, you know, we don't expect anyone to agree with our opinions, but if we give you background info that helps, if we talk about a player a certain way and that leads people down the right path, then it's really worth it. So I, I love doing it, and it's something I hope I, I do forever. Yeah, and I would recommend, like, I, I've been going back and listening to some of the older stuff now, and um, it's just interesting to hear you guys talk about Jaden Daniels back in like I think it was maybe November and he's like I don't know I think this guy could maybe go round one and now now he could go top, top three, three. <laughs> yeah and, and so it's like it's it, but that context is interesting of like oh this guy really came on where you guys were kind of like I'm feeling a little bold I think I'm putting him round one and you know that I think you know not to say that uh, a late riser can't ultimately go on to, to have success but I still kind of want to know that that this guy kind of came more out of nowhere or made a huge, huge rise as an older prospect uh, in his final season. Whereas, you know, you guys are talking Drake, May, Caleb Williams the whole time is that is that top two. So even stuff like that, I think, can be really helpful for people. Um, as, again, just kind of playing catch up. And I, I want to start with some of the quarterback stuff. Like, I, I'm not really that interested, honestly, from a fantasy football perspective in, in kind of like debating who should be the quarterback one or whatever, because Caleb Williams is going to be the quarterback one according to the market. Yeah. Uh, he's gonna. He's very, very likely to go number one in the draft, and uh, he will be drafted first in dynasty formats, in best ball formats, and I think that's fine. What I am interested in is how far behind should Drake May and Jaden Daniels be right now in best ball? Uh, 
it's actually Jaden Daniels who's going second behind Caleb Williams. And then there's a pretty big gap in best ball drafts to Drake May. There's like a 40-pick gap between Williams wow. and May. There's only an eight-pick gap between Williams and Daniels because of his rushing ability. But as a fantasy football prospect, Drake May feels like he checks almost all the boxes. Not like, you know, he's not uh, got the true, true running running ability where, you know, you're like a, a true dual threat, but it's like a Justin Herbert, Josh Allen kind of yeah. rushing ability. He's got that. He's a he's a willing, capable deep thrower. Uh, I I love what you guys are saying about him kind of playing within structure in addition to to playmaking. He's willing to take chances. He scrambles out of a clean pocket, which I which I like. Like I think we're going to get some scrambling from him, some of that added mobility with the size that should translate. Like I don't really understand the gap between Williams and May from a fantasy football perspective. Even if even if Williams is the clear number one, do you think that there should be you know a kind of a tier that he's in his own from fantasy football. That gap's a little big for me as well. When you look at Drake May, I mean, he's ran for 16 touchdowns in the last two years. And it's not like he had one year where he ran for 13 and the other year he ran for three. I mean, the splits are seven and nine. So I think there's a consistent pattern of him being a legitimate red zone threat. And now, of course, with Jaden Daniels, I mean, really one of the main beauties of his game is that between the twenties, he could take off and he's not looking yeah. to take eight yards and slide. He's looking to, which is a detriment at times. He's looking to make three guys miss and get as many yards as he can, because I don't think he protects himself very well. I, there's some hits on tape where you're like, you just, you will not be able to do this at the NFL level, uh, but you will be able to be a successful runner. That's why everybody's so high on Jaden Daniels from a fantasy perspective, long-term. I think that with Drake, I think he's going to be, a really accomplished passer in a couple of years that if that running bonus remains with him, just from a pure touchdown equity standpoint, that gap should be closer in my opinion. It really, really should. Now, what I will say is away from the fantasy side of it is I think even NFL teams are looking at it and wondering if Jaden Daniels should go before Drake may. So the talent, you know, evaluation with these guys is uh, not very different. While I agree that Caleb Williams is going to be the consensus number one guy, he's going to be a top guy in fantasy, in dynasty, just because the arm talent, he's somebody that can run. He's more twitchier in the pocket and out of the pocket rather than Jaden Daniels. I mean, when he hits the gas, it's like, oh, this is now we're dealing with a running back or it feels like a wide receiver off of a jet sweep kind of runner at the mm -hmm. at that you know level. So, yeah, I'm really high on Drake May. I think that something that's really hard to evaluate with fantasy, but something that definitely matters a lot to me and definitely trickles into fantasy is Drake May is going to play at 230 pounds. And this isn't someone that played at 205 all year and is walking into the combine like he just drank mass gainer for three months. This is someone who <laughs> that big frame is going to hold up. And I think we've seen a lot of different guys over the years. I mean, Fields is an example of a guy that runs but also gets hurt every single year. Jaden Daniels is going to have to learn to protect himself to a degree because he's not somebody that's going to play at 225 pounds uh, where I think that has to be taken into account for the long-term nature of where you're taking him as well. Yeah. I, uh, Danny Kelly and, and Nate Tice have the, have the Johnny Knoxville tweet out there. Uh, I, I don't know if you've seen that, but there's some, there's some hits that he takes that his legs pretty, go up uh, in the pretty air. brutal. His legs yeah. go up in the air. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, uh, the thing with Daniels too, like May, he's 6'4", 230. 
Daniels is also listed at 6'4", but 210. And He's so slender. it's like narrow. Yeah. yeah. Right. So that's that's concerning with like, you know, Lamar's slender, but Lamar doesn't really take hits like that. He's a magician. He's one of one. I always say this to people. You know, Lamar, it's almost like he could have three guys trying to tackle him in a phone booth and he comes out of it untouched. It's just unique. Yeah. So I, I kind of personally, like for dynasty purposes, where like the longer term outlook is is so crucial, like I like May more than Daniels. I feel really confident that May's going to be like a long term NFL starter. I think Daniels will probably be that, but it's a little riskier to me. Do you? Do you have any feelings like no who? i am with you okay okay i have the bust rate the bust rate to me is higher on daniels than may both what about between may and williams fantasy yeah i know we're, we're one, assuming neither of these guys bust but right i i think it's closer than the general public feels clearly the nfl i mean there's not really any chatter around may as the number one overall pick i think i think it's a lot closer i think that i'm a little surprised um that there's not chatter of hey you know Teams are going through the eval. Now, let me say this. Coaches get into this process very, very late. Everything we're hearing right now is based on front office and scouting evaluators and media evaluators. Coaches are always the last piece of the puzzle. They come in and they can kind of just shake everything up into a blender so you never know how things can change. But I personally think the tier, it's pretty it's pretty close to me. We're actually doing the quarterback episode on Stock Exchange um, in a couple of days here. So I've just been grinding quarterbacks for about a week now. The tier of Williams and May is pretty close where I could almost argue that it's a tier. And then the next tier for me, not from a fantasy perspective, would be Penix and Daniels. And obviously oh, wow. Daniels is in a different world fantasy-wise than Penix because he runs. And that's not a in the equation of Penix's game as much anymore. But for actual long-term NFL success, that's how I would I would gap it. And that plays into fantasy because, like you said, to be effective, especially in Dynasty, you need to be yeah. starting every year yeah. rather than right. at the league or on a team as a second or third stringer. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that's interesting that, that Penix is the next name you mentioned because – you know, McCarthy seems to be the guy that the NFL is really yep. talking up is like, maybe this guy goes to the Broncos or the Vikings, you know, like 11 or 12. Um, and then Bo Nix, I've heard talk of, you know, sneaking into the first round. It seems like Penix could end up being like a, a you know, maybe even a round three pick or he seems like the least likely to go round one anyway. Um, any thoughts on on these guys is like, their actual draft position. Like, do you think Penix is still live to go round one? I think he's got a shot. So much of it depends on his medicals at the combine. And, you know, I've, mm. I've heard really good things that he's already gone through, you know, evaluations. Cause you have to, as an individual, you want to do that. You don't want to go into the combine blindfolded and, and get blindsided. But once again, every team doctor's different. Um, I've had one team in the past years tell me, hey, that running back's off our board. His knee's going to be shot in two years. If other teams tell me nothing came up for us. I, I mean, hmm. and so you just it's really the Wild West on how teams. It's funny to look back at the year. This is going a little off track, but the year Nick Chubb and Sonny Michelle were in the same draft. I remember and how closely they were drafted together and how the perception was Nick Chubb medically would be an issue long term while Sonny Michelle was. You know, this guy with a clean bill. And then when you actually talk to the teams, it was the other way around. They loved the recovery of Chubb, despite him having a catastrophic college injury. And some things came up on Sony Michelle that were very, very concerning. And here we are in 2024. Look how that's 
played out. So yep. you, you never, yep. you don't fully know in February. I think projections, I feel pretty comfortable that, you know, Caleb Williams is probably going to go number one overall. It feels like there's a good chance at two and three, it's some combination of May and Daniels, at least in the top five. I think McCarthy is going to end up being a top 15 pick. It's, it wouldn't be my personal take, but I think based on the traits he has, the age, um, trying to correct his flaws or learning curve is something that a lot of coaches believe they can do, being a quicker processor. And then, of course, Knicks and Penix have a shot to go round one. It's just a matter of how the teams – no, we got to get through free agency. Nobody knows where Kirk Cousins is going to go. Nobody knows where right. Justin Fields could be traded to because you think Atlanta could be in this mix. You nailed it with that trifecta of Minnesota, Denver, and the Raiders. All three are doing a ton of work on quarterbacks right now where they're just trying to figure out who's going to answer the phone, if they can move up <laughs> at all. So yeah. it's, it, you, yeah. when they get through their evaluations, will they sit there and be like, well, we couldn't get up for – Drake May or Jaden Daniels, but we actually really liked McCarthy or Knicks or Penix, one of those three, and, and we're comfortable here now. So, yeah, I, I think there's a shot that five quarterbacks go in the first round, and it's not a, like a non-chance that six go in the first round, which is really, really wild, but it's it's not a non-zero. McCarthy worries me because like he's listed at around 200 pounds. Um, Dane Brugler and his ranks had him at 195. Wow. Um, and I, I, people aren't really talking about that. We just did the Bryce Young weight thing. And, you know, we was like, oh, thank God he got above 200 for the combine. But no one's really talking about the weight for McCarthy. I think from a fantasy football perspective, the weight just kind of furthers the concern that I have about a skill set that might not be that fantasy friendly, might be kind of a lower volume guy to start. Are you like even if McCarthy goes round one, like, you know, let's say he goes top 15. Penix sneaks into the back end of round one or Knicks. Like, are you more excited about those guys with worse draft capital just because of the, the skill set from a fantasy football perspective? By far. I think that number one with Penix, he I think he number one is the most uh pro-ready passer in this draft. And that that obviously doesn't make him the best prospect. But if you're throwing somebody out there today that needs to make all the checks at the line of scrimmage and really know, you know, three reads that he's going to get through quickly and get the ball out. That's the guy right now. I, you know, Caleb, I'm very impressed with his full field reading and his accuracy. May, definitely getting better. Daniels, I think throwing with anticipation is one of his weaker points, but he's such a gifted athlete that you wonder if he could just athlete his way through his development, which we've seen guys do in this, in this generation. I don't feel that way necessarily about McCarthy. I feel like there's times where a lot of it can be fixated on half the field or, Hey, I, I, you know, my first look wasn't great. Now I'm going to kind of run around a little bit. And, and once again, he's young, he's going to be a 21 year old rookie throughout his entire rookie season, but he would be the guy I'm the lowest on in both fantasy. And, and I like that maybe because like you said, the draft capital McCarthy goes top 15 Penix and Knicks end up going a little later than that. And then it kind of, changes the perception of them in fantasy where I like the upside of both Knicks and Penix from fantasy more than McCarthy's long-term. Interesting. Let's, let's move to wide receiver. Um, are you aware that in best ball drafts right now, Marvin Harrison jr. Is going like mid second round. He's got, he's got, tell me ADP who he's going like over. I think would really, really be the, the mind blower here. Okay. So 
Uh, yeah, let me sort by. I mean, that, that ADP is <laughs> alone. There's got to be some big names. He's going over. So, yeah, Marvin Harrison Jr., he's going over Rasheed Rice, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, Stefan Diggs, Devontae Adams, Chris Olave, Tank Dell, Michael Pittman. Those are the, the wide receivers going right after him. Um, yeah, drafters are pretty psyched about Marvin Harrison. Um, are you, I mean, obviously he's like, is he, I guess the question is like, is he more can't miss or is he sort of immediate superstar? Right. Because I know that I know it's a bulletproof prospect profile, but do you know what I mean? Like, should we be drafting this guy? Like he's immediately going to hit the ground running as a star or is it more just like, I know this guy's going to be a good number one at the NFL level. I think that there's the fear factor of what if he really did go to new England at three. I think there's mm-hmm. just not that he can't overcome limitations in an offense, but that roster on paper offensively is there's nothing good about it. Honestly, the line's bad. They have no quarterback. They have no receivers, which do you counter? Okay. He's going to get 8 million targets year <laughs> one. And it just doesn't matter. Maybe, right? maybe it does. I need, I need to know some kind of floor under center. Like it, did they, did they go out and sign Jacoby Brissett? Did they, you know what I mean? I need some yeah, kind of floor. Yeah under center but i'm not surprised to hear that maybe over iuk a little bit because what if if either iuk stays in san francisco and he's still great or Ayuk goes somewhere and what if he's the the guy the number one and more targets are funneled his way but i i'm not shocked to hear that with marv here's the thing he's big he's fast he's very clean the way he tracks the ball uh he's a good route runner his release package is getting better i think it's the only thing you could really nitpick at but he can make the difficult play. He's strong through contact. He's very fast with the ball in his hands. He plays extremely hard that there's no, he's kind of a unicorn. The best receiver prospect I've ever evaluated is Jamar Chase. And I'll probably have Marv side by side with Chase. Everybody I feel like is going to lean that he's just better. I don't know. I think we're quickly forgetting how special Chase was as a prospect because one, he didn't play his final college season. So he was 19 or 20 out there running by people in the sec out producing justin jefferson right like people really do forget and he's been amazing in the nfl shocking so i would say side by side with chase which is pretty enormous praise and then you try to factor in that hey there's a really 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 good chance he ends up in arizona kyler's gonna let that thing go it's gonna be hollywood's gonna leave in free agency so you're you're just in a situation that that offense might be good honestly it really yeah. might be good, and he might be the lead of it. So I'm not surprised to hear that. Marvin Harrison, it's interesting to look back now, Pat. He was my number one player on my first big board in August. And a lot of people, rightfully so, were like, damn, over Caleb Williams. And I look back at it. He's just the best player in the draft. He's the best. He has the least amount of questions. He has probably as much upside. I understand that a quarterback is always going to have more upside positional value-wise, but the upside with him is that he's the best receiver in the NFL in three years. The worst case is he's top 12. It's, <laughs> it's pretty, pretty rare. Territory. Pretty nice. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's, that's why. So the next two guys um, generally in the draft community, or, you know, the, if we're projecting draft capital is neighbors and then a Dunze, although it seems like a Dunze could go be ahead of neighbors in the best ball market. It's neighbors in kind of his own tier. He's got an ADP uh, of 36, and Adunze is at 57. So they're they're kind of each in their own tier. Pretty big gap 
from Harrison to Neighbors, and then another gap between Neighbors and Adunze. My general feeling is like, take these guys. Um, but any any thoughts on? I know you really like Neighbors. I think yeah. Neighbors. Am I like crazy? Like in another class, we'd probably be talking ourselves into neighbors, maybe even another eight picks higher than this. It's just like if you really want to get hyped about a rookie wide receiver, you, you got Harrison. That's the issue with him. I mean, neighbors is my fourth overall player. It's literally Marvin wow. Harrison Jr., Joe Alt, Caleb Williams, Malik Neighbors. I, he's a DJ Moore clone. He in any other draft, typically without besides Chase's draft, he's the top receiver. He, he's truly become the waddle now of this class where you look at him and you're like, man, most drafts, he's the number one receiver. He is phenomenal with the ball in his hands. He wins over the top with speed. He is really, really hard to run with. Uh, he's once again, just dynamic is the really the way I would say it. You can scheme underneath to him. You can scheme over the top to him. He could play inside and outside. He's just a tremendous player. I think you could do things with him in motion in the backfield where you're just trying to find ways to get the ball in his hands and have him run. So, and I agree with that gap, by the way. Adunze, I like a lot. I think that there is a tier difference between him and neighbors, and I'm a little surprised a lot of the mock drafts lately have had Adunze either going higher or going right with him. And Adunze is a good prospect in his own right. He's just very different. He's not the same creator with the ball in his hands. Odunze has a sprinting background and he's going to run well, but I don't think he constantly runs away from people on tape where neighbors does and neighbors did that in the sec. So I, I would evaluate it the same way. I actually think, and I think this is something you hinted at neighbors will be underappreciated, whether it's best ball drafts, whether it's dynasty drafts, whether it's redraft, he'll be a really interesting redraft player because Marv's in this draft. And yep. he's getting all the wide receiver focus where now is there some value with neighbors, depending where he goes, uh, because he's an elite talent at a position that matters so much and can really go in and have success right away. In my opinion, I, I would bet on the over if his over under was set at a thousand yards as a rookie. Okay. Wow. Um, yeah. I think it, you, when you look at like the dynasty stuff, Harrison's going, you know, he'll go ahead of at least one of the quarterbacks and neighbors will probably not where all three yes. of the top quarterbacks go ahead of him. I agree. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty good value for a, a prospect of his caliber. I think um, as we go I mean, last after year, what were sorry to cut you off. What were we getting at that spot last year? Think you know what I mean? It was totally different tier of player. Would yeah. JS, would it be JSN? Be JSN. Be yeah. Yeah. I mean, I liked JSN a lot, but this is a totally different tier of player. So, yeah, because, I mean, JSN had a pretty interesting statistical profile, but he was like, you know, he's more of a slot, more of, you know, kind of a PPR type guy, um, you know, but he was an early declare out of Ohio State, had played with yep. Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, like very high pedigree. But even with that, you see a pretty big difference between neighbors and JSN. Yeah, I think neighbors, it's the ability to play inside and outside with the, the straight line speed that JSN didn't have. JSN yeah. had elite agility metrics, but I mean, neighbors is just straight gas, straight line. Yeah. After Odunze, it's interesting because I'm some of the dynasty stuff I'm seeing, it's like Troy Franklin, Brian Thomas Jr., kind of in like, like neck and neck, uh, Keon Coleman right there. But in best ball, Thomas is kind of in his own tier. In the big board ADP, he's at 81. No other rookie wide receivers have an ADP above 109. So 
it's like Thomas. That actually kind of makes sense to me. He's seen, is he kind of like fairly locked in for round one where Coleman, um, uh, we got some of these other guys, Franklin. Yeah. Uh, but then also we could see AD Mitchell, Roman Wilson, like it kind of on and on, uh, of these guys who could sneak in to like pick 32, but Thomas looks at least to me like, you know, he could go mid first, but it would be kind of a shock if he were to fall completely out of the first round. Is that how you feel as well? I'd be floored. I mean, okay. Thomas is a top 20 player for me. I have him 17th, uh, only a couple spots behind a Dunze. I think that it's interesting when you watch Jaden Daniels and you realize how gifted neighbors and Thomas are at the position mm-hmm. in offense that can throw the ball down the field. He had 15 touchdowns this year while averaging 18 yards per reception. He The leaping ability, contested catch situations, acrobatic. Uh, he really, two things stand out to me when I watched Thomas and when, how I fell in love with him. One, the production would have been higher because of two reasons. One, he shared an offense with Malik neighbors. Okay, that's pretty fair. And then two, for as good as Jaden Daniels is, there was a lot of deep balls that were underthrown. And that's Thomas's game. Thomas runs by people down the field all the time. And there was a lot of meat left on the bone where it's like, hey, if that deep ball's there, there's another 50 and another touchdown. So I think when you look at Thomas, he's going to be valued extremely highly in this draft, which is bodes well, right? Because, of course, landing spot is massive for a player like this. Let's say... Calvin Ridley leaves Jacksonville and Jacksonville takes Thomas at 17. You feel really good about that. As much as Trevor Lawrence has been a little hot and cold and not what we thought, you still feel good about the situation, the quarterback. He's willing to take chances. And he will throw the ball down the field, which is that's that fits Thomas right there. What if Cincinnati does the unthinkable and trades T Higgins and they take him at 18? I mean, wipe your hands. You're feeling phenomenal about that and then it comes down he just has landing spot upside like you said if what if he falls down in round one okay i mean baltimore san francisco kansas city i don't see him buffalo. making it there buffalo that's buffalo is the big one because if gabe's gonna leave it sounds like and yeah they need yeah. a field stretcher if, if yeah, he's gabe davis ball. like wheels up i mean 100 because then you're just taking out the volatility that existed with gabe davis every single week that gave us all right. headaches but I just I think he's going higher than that. So yeah, I'm I would have him in a you know him and Franklin I really really liked, and then I saw I saw a bit of a difference. It was amazing stacking this class because it was like okay Marv, great neighbors phenomenal. I like a Dunze Thomas and Franklin you know kind of in this interesting spectrum, and then it's like okay Devontae's Walker Keon Coleman Jalen Polk, you know you brought up yeah. AD Mitchell like they they were down the board a little bit for me. It was a difference. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah, let me – so one one just thing on Thomas real quick is he had – one of the statistical red flags that popped for me is that he had a pretty high contested catch rate on deep balls. And that – especially because he didn't have a super high contested catch rate. So it's like this guy – generally I'm like, does that mean that we're talking about a guy – and this is a Quentin Johnston red flag last year, had the same thing. <laughs> this guy can't separate deep and – He's not great at catching the ball in contested catch situations. That could be a real problem. And I think Quentin Johnson would be kind of the poster boy for, for what that looks like at the NFL level. But what I'm hearing about Thomas is, you know, he can separate deep. Maybe he's getting contested catches because of where the ball placement was on some of those deep yeah. throws. 
that's exactly okay. it. And and God forbid you say that because you can't say anything bad about Jaden Daniels. <laughs> but it's it's a it's a real thing on tape. And okay. that, isn't it amazing, Quentin Johnson? You know, in that draft, we had this this thought in our head that you know he's didn't you? I'm trying to make sure I have where he measured in correctly. I feel like he came in a lot shorter than we thought, and he's listed six four two fifteen. I thought for some reason he did not measure in the same way. I expect Thomas to be at least six three. So okay. that would. Let's see. Quentin Johnson came in six two and three quarters. They still list him six four in the NFL, even though his official measurement was six two and you know over that. But still growing, still growing. Yeah, you're right. Exactly. So yeah, Thomas is he's got really good length. He's got a pretty crazy um high school basketball background. Uh he was the the most outstanding player in his state championship game. So like you you watch him play and you're like, Yeah, this is what a basketball player playing wide receiver looks like at six okay. foot four and can did jump out of the stadium. Fast Drake London is that is that a comp? It's not the craziest thing. <laughs> not, I, yeah, I need to. Once the combine comes in, I'll I'll do comps for every single player because I'm just uh, I've become such a stickler for body types. You like you do a comp in like November and then you're like, cool. The comp I had is 20 pounds lighter and three inches shorter. Like that was a waste of time. So <laughs> it is. It's a very weird process. Speaking of body type, Troy Franklin is listed. Uh, depending on where you look. You know, he can be like 179. He's Will Fuller. Uh, yeah, like I'm concerned a little bit about the way I would love. Like, it's funny how I have these like rooting interests, these very niche rooting interests. But like if Troy Franklin comes in at like 192 at the combine, I'm fist pumping. Like, it me too. That's, that's amazing. But I'm worried he could come in like, you know, 181. I and mean, he's very tall. He And he looks lanky out on the field. Um, but he, does. he also, you know, I loved what you guys were saying about his route running, varying his speeds. And the dude has a lot of speed. Like that just jumps out as soon as you, as soon as you watch him, like, man, he can accelerate. He's got really, uh, he's just really fast at full speed as well. Uh, really exciting guy, you know, in a similar kind of landing spot stuff of like, what if he's with the chiefs? What if he's with the, the bills, yep. you know? Uh, and that's kind of the opportunity that he has potentially falling in the late first. Um, you know, maybe he goes early second and the landing spot isn't quite as juicy, but the, the upside for that is there. And he fits so well with some of these elite quarterbacks, I think. Uh, and a huge gap between him and Brian Thomas, where he's going uh, at pick 109, uh, pick 110, actually. Uh, I, I don't know. Like, I don't see that big of a difference between him and Thomas, even though Thomas is draft capital does look more locked in. Right. I had Thomas 17th overall and Franklin 19th overall. And, and then, you know, maybe I just love this wide receiver class more than a lot of, you know, other people or however they see it. And I do think Thomas is a little bit better at finishing plays, but Franklin, he primarily played on the outside number one. So if we're worrying about the size and the weight, well, we've seen him win on the outside. And I do think he can get up to 180. I don't think he's going to Jalen Hyatt this thing where he Hyatt came in at 176 and he ran 4-4. I think Franklin will legitimately run a 4-3 at 180 wow. plus, which is okay. which is a big time. That's a big time for someone like that. His first step off the line of scrimmage is just you could freeze frame it on tape every single time. You're like, oh, he's dictating the rep every single time. And the corner has to react rather than, you know, setting the rep. He's got good length. Uh, I thought that he plays fast in the short area, but knows how to open up for the long speed. 
And I think he he runs really, you know, he's excellent at changing tempo in his routes that corners were kind of kept on their toes very often. So you think of a guy like that with Allen, Mahomes, Lamar, whatever you want to say, you know, the possibilities are extremely, extremely promising. Now, if, if Franklin, you know, you brought up the draft projection a little bit. If Franklin falls out of the first round and we're stuck with him going to Carolina or something like that, then that's the risk associated, I think, with him yeah. compared to Thomas. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think uh, I was... It might have been Bleacher Report's mock draft had had that exact landing spot where he falls just a little, that one extra pick and you're, and like, you're no. like no you, you just fall to your knees <laughs> screaming into the sky <laughs> you really do yeah so that risk is real um, some of the guys after that uh, in ADP Keon Coleman AD Mitchell uh, Lad McConkey Xavier Worthy Jalen Polk these are the next that's kind of the next sort of tier. Uh, I would, it kind of ends after Worthy, actually. There's like another 20 picks down to Polk. Um, that's sort of the tier in, in best ball ADP. Thoughts on those guys? Uh, I know Coleman's going to be kind of uh, controversial. I'm I'm not really even sure exactly where I stand on him yet. I think Polk is, is really interesting because there's so much to his game that reminds me of Chris Godwin, where mm. he just, he just does dirty work over the middle of the field or any area of the field with excellent concentration that it's just going to work, right? It might not be 60 yard touchdowns or a number one wide receiver in an offense or anything like that, but you just watch him and you just know that he's going to be trusted early and that coaches are going to like him and that his quarterback's going to trust him and that he's going to play a brand of football that not a lot of guys are equipped to play anymore. That's why I'm very high on Polk Coleman. I mean, I, you just have to be honest with this one. There is so much projection to his game that absolutely scares you while there's so much that excites you. This is a guy that legitimately came to Michigan State to play basketball and football. Michigan State. It's not like he was at like a D3 program and it's like, yeah, I could do both. I mean, he thought he could play basketball at Michigan State. And you see the above the rim ability, huge frame. Sometimes tacklers really hesitate, but he just... There's nothing to his routes. They're all the same pace. He doesn't run away from people. He only had 200 plus yard games this season. I mean, hmm. that was a big red flag for me with Quentin Johnston. It's like this guy's deemed as maybe the top receiver in the draft. He didn't dominate for 60, 50, 40% of the season. He dominated for 20% of the season. So uh, when you look at Coleman, his touches are screens and jump balls. And I, I he might have been playing hurt a lot of this season, which makes you wonder. You know, is there more here that was hidden on tape? But he he is a true all traits guy. If you just throw him out there and you're like, yeah, he's going to separate or he's going to be relied upon right away. That's that's not what he could be drafted to do. Well, I feel like Polk, the ceiling is a lot more limited, but a lot more reliable. I feel the same way with a guy like Ricky Pearsall from Florida. Um, Leggett, Leggett scares me a little bit right now but that scares me too he, he came in a lot smaller than people thought right yeah At yeah i mean your your build is this monster you know six four 230 pound nobody could tackle me thread <laughs> and he's six one and his yeah, if you're six one that doesn't work as well his ball skills and mobile were wildly inconsistent mm. i think you have to scheme to him a lot which how's he gonna run i hope he runs really well he's a late 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 breakout and credit to him. I mean, a lot of people at that program talk about how he put his head down. He didn't jump in the portal. He played special teams for a couple of years, and then it all worked for him his last year. But he's legitimately a one-year wonder as a wide receiver. Uh, he, he, I have a big fear factor 
with Leggett. And it's a shame because he's a good story, but I would I would have a lot of these guys ahead of him, including McConkey, Mitchell, and, and probably Worthy as well. Yeah, he's he actually is going behind all those guys. After him, though, is Tez Walker, who I like quite, I have a, Walker bit ahead of, quite a bit ahead of him. Are you any worries about Walker falling in the draft? I've seen sort of inconsistent draft projections for him. He didn't have a good week in Mobile. Um, and it was frustrating he because he didn't because he could he was one of the people that can really run away from people. When you watch Walker on tape, he chews up so much turf with each stride. He's got these long strides. And in Mobile, I mean, even he can get away from a guy like Quinion Mitchell at times, who's the best corner there but he just didn't finish a lot of plays and it's mm. very, very frustrating. You got to catch the ball. And I think that Walker also, he had the NCAA issue that was more the NCAA, not him, but of him getting on the field late this year where he didn't get to play a ton of football. He was very good when he played. Um, I had a couple more notes on him. I think that, I think one of the main things too with Walker that can hurt him a little bit in this class is that he's somebody that there's just no creativity with the ball in his hands. It's like, okay, I made the catch, not big change of direction, not a tackle breaker. Like, I just made the catch. Let's finish the play. When you talk about everybody else in this draft, they, they could either run 100 miles an hour or make three people miss or run through your face. So that's, I think, what kind of is going to hurt him a little bit as well. Yeah, I was watching him, just my initial stuff. I was like, I, I, he pops a lot in a lot of the statistical stuff. And I'm like, I can't help but just feel like he's a little Justin Huntery. Oh, that's an interesting line. one. That's exactly. a really interesting one. They have the same exact body. They do. I mean, and that's why yeah. it jumped out to me. But it's and he was also kind of, I've made the catch. The now I'm done. You know? Yeah, yeah. And it's just not the league anymore. It's right. all spacing and creating yards and yeah. Uh, yeah. Unless you're unless you're just an unstoppable force, right? Like you are. Unless you're like T Higgins above the rim, right? Where and that's I, I think he's good. I think he's pretty refined in terms of completing plays on tape it was that's why it was so bizarre in mobile that he wasn't interesting um yeah yeah i do like him uh he makes me a little nervous but i i'm drafting a lot of them to get you before we get out of here uh just want to ask you a couple of the the guys in the late rounds you mentioned ricky pearsall so i'm just gonna i'm just gonna go through the guys who are going um pick 198 or later in best ball draft. So these are like your true dart throws. Yeah. Uh, Malachi Corley, Brennan Rice, Malik Washington, Ricky Pearsall, Jermaine Burton, Luke McCaffrey, Johnny Wilson, Jacob Cowing, Jalen McMillan, and Jamari Thrash. Those I was are waiting for the... that last one. Okay. I, like I haven't thrash taken a ton a of Thrash. What's what's he's he looks pretty small to me. Like he's kind of like a slot guy. Is that the idea? Kind of, but he also is so fast that I think he can win on the outside. He's not, he's over six feet tall. He's a little lighter, but I mean, he is so quick and elusive and his feet on double moves froze guys constantly, constantly. Hmm. So I thought he tracks the deep ball really, really well. He also carried that over into mobile. I know he was playing with an injury uh, a lot this year. And then you see him healthy in mobile and it's like, yeah, this is the guy I thought he would be. Him and Pearsall out of the names you you brought up are the most intriguing to me. I, I mean, okay. they get they get open. They have a good release package. They find the ball. They can work all three levels of the field. Uh, I don't even. I think those guys are in a different class than the rest of those guys. Corley will be a, a popular name. Corley is man. He's going to be interesting. There's just not a lot of players like that that are so gifted after the catch. But theoretically, you you think. 
are kind of, you know, have to be schemed to. He's he's like built like a fire hydrant. Um, I want to see if he's going to consistently separate or if he's pigeonholed into the slot and it's all manufactured touches. Different player, but how Zay Flowers was used this year. With Zay, it was like, okay, he got seven targets. Five of them were screens. Like, is that going to be Corley's life, depending where he goes? But Pearsall, I feel pretty comfortable Pearsall is going to be a legit, like, NFL starter in 11 personnel for a long time. It's The gap between him and, and Lad McConkey is kind of wild to me. It's like, I, you got to pay up for, not a ton for McConkey in these drafts, but it's not, it, there's, like, solid veterans going in that range, and then Pearsall's free. I might have Pearsall ranked higher than him at the end wow. of this. And I like McConkey. McConkey's awesome, but I, that's yeah. That that's got to be correct. That will be corrected. Uh, so take him for free while you can. Yeah, take yeah, Pearsall. Can't, it can't hurt. Burton is a guy I've been taking a lot of. It sounds like you're not as into. I mean, we I was were just taking... late on him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I didn't I mean... get to him when we did our our fifteen our top fifteen wide receivers, and I regretted it. But the good thing is, we do wide receivers like four times. It, it's... <laughs> It's the best group to do it. You get the dynasty community. You get the best ball community. You get the draft fans, the NFL fans. Uh, and we do our final rankings after the combine. Cause if a guy goes full Juwan Jennings and runs a four, seven, two, it's like, okay, this actually matters a little bit. So yeah, Burton will be, I would, I think he'll end up being in my top 15 with the final recheck. Okay. Okay. Nice. All right. Well, uh, didn't get to running backs or tight ends, but those classes are basically actually, do you want to do that real quick? Brock Bowers sure. and Jonathan well, Brooks. Is there anyone to to talk about other than those guys? Um, uh, Jatavion Sanders at tight end. He's okay. Yeah. He's really interesting because he shared targets in an offense with AD Mitchell, Xavier worthy, uh, Jordan Winnington, Jonathan Brooks was getting handoffs before he got hurt. Like I didn't think Quinn Ewers was very good, honestly. So it's not like an offense that had elite quarterbacking. I thought thought it was a little underwhelming. So Sanders, uh, he's, man, when he got there, everybody thought he'd be a future first-round pick. Then this year, nobody cared about him. And now that we're back full circle and he's in the draft, everyone's like, you know what? He should probably go in the top 50 because he's a pretty gifted athlete for the position. So Hmm. I I don't know how Sanders is being valued in best ball, but he should be, is the point. He's like 176. Um, He's someone I've been taking – a fair amount of because tight end tends to dry up pretty quickly. Yeah, I would. There's just not a lot of tight ends in the league right now that can run like him and, and be an actual, you know, if he went to an offense that treated Laporta the way the Lions and Ben Johnson did, he, he's not the yeah. blocker Laporta was, but you could see the usage of lining up almost anywhere and actually factoring into their pass game. Bowers, uh, you know, in dynasty drafts, he's like, I mean, he's going fairly high, but he's not like, he's not really in the mix like the way Kyle Pitts was to go ahead of any of these, like really, you know, uh, in the quarterbacks, Everyone's not afraid. going ahead of, I, I would be interested in taking him ahead of Odunze. Like, I think I'm he's with you. I mean, this is tight end premium take, but like, he's, he's a run blocker. Like Pitts was first percentile in PFF run blocking grade coming in. Bowers can legit run block. Like that means you're out there for play action. That means you're out there around the goal line for play action. Like, I don't yep. think he's going to score one touchdown this year the way Pitts did as a rookie. No, he, he can't. And Bowers is pretty well equipped to go somewhere that you're excited about. I mean, it starts with the Chargers at five, and then he's in play, you know, all the way to the Colts at 15. And there's just landing spots that you, you really like with him. Yeah. He's so gifted after the catch that 
Pitts was really a big wide receiver, almost Darren Waller-ish. Bra- yeah, Bowers, yeah. Bowers is more Kittle to me. Like he he it's a totally different brand of football. And I I would I would be I will be taking him if the opportunity presents itself uh over at Dunze. Okay, nice. Um running back real quick. I mean, Brooks strikes me as like again, you know, this is sort of best ball specific where like the late season production matters so much more than the early season production. We're drafting rookies for late season production anyway. He's going uh, I think I've maybe have pushed him finally above pick 130. He's going like in the wow. mid 130s for a while. Wow. I, I think he's, you know, he should be in the top 100 for me. Like I, and I actually think maybe even significantly higher than that. Like you could talk me into him pretty high. Like I will, I loved what I saw from him. Pretty strong, not amazing statistical prospect, but good. Yeah. He's coming off the ACL. I want a discount on that. But it seems like he's still going to get drafted day two, probably installed as a you know a guy who's going to emerge as the starter over the course of the season, the way many rookies are set up to do. I mean, am I, am I right to be kind of hammering this guy right now in drafts? I think so. I think Brooks was the most exciting guy before he got hurt in a class that left a lot to be desired, especially when Trevion Henderson went back to school. That was one where you know him and Donovan Edwards, they go back to school. They were pretty explosive to me. I think there's a floor with guys like Corum and Benson, but with Brooks, yeah. I mean, he he's probably the first running back off the board, even with the ACL. He's probably back in round two, depending where he lands. But I would be thinking the same thing for best ball format. That feels like a big discount that's all factored into injury because the tape is very, very good. He is somebody that's a creative runner. He's got good size that he can come in and, you know, handle whatever work share you feel like the coaching staff is is asking of him. So yeah, I would I would be pretty higher on him too. It's not an exciting running back class, but I think his injury, you know, kind of masked his value in a way. Yeah, that's how I feel too. Any of the other guys, like Audric Estimates jumped out to me a little bit. Braylon Allen's massive and super young and kind of interesting. Bucky Irving looks like he could be like a receiving back type. I like Benson a fair amount. Corm I don't haven't loved, but I think he could get installed as like a two down guy. And yeah, you know, we're we're happy with that. Um, Frank Gore Jr. is sometimes someone I think about like super late, like last round. Uh, Dylan Lobby or Laub, I don't know how to pronounce, but he's he's kind of interesting as like a pass catcher. I think you guys mentioned him as like a Danny Woodhead type of dude. Ray Davis gets a little bit of buzz. Any of these guys jump out? Marshawn Lloyd, I should mention. Yeah, a couple more. I mean, Will Shipley out of Clemson, he didn't have mm. a great year, but you know, in 2022, he went for over 1100 yards and the more important thing is he's caught 70 passes the last two years. So Shipley's going to catch the ball. And I think he's going to be put into that role right away. I- I'm really interested in him. And then, you know, the, the grinded out, like nobody will care about him, but I think he's a good player is Ray Davis, the Kentucky mm-hmm. running back. That's it's almost like he's built like Mike Tolbert. He just does everything the right way. Um, he's, 225 pounds. He's short, but it kind of helps him bounce off a of contact. He catches the ball. I think he could block. Da- Davis is someone that I feel like no one really cares about right now. And it feels like we'll be talking about him in November of waiver wires of like, hey, somebody got hurt. The staff loves Ray Davis. He just keeps falling into the end zone. Brian Thomas kind of vibes yeah. where he's like, coaches love this guy, even if 
There's we don't understand why. No, I th- I, I like him though. Like I think. He, Sorry, uh, Brian yeah. Robinson. Brian I said Robinson. Brian Thomas. I meant Brian. Yeah, Robinson. Ro- Robinson's yeah. a Robinson's a good call out where it's you know does everything asked to him, reliable with the football, and can grind out yards and be a red zone back or really be anything you need him to be. So yeah, I, I would definitely look at it that way. Shipley though, Shipley is very interesting. That's one I would keep an eye on. Okay, yeah, he wasn't. That I have him actually a little bit behind ADP, so I'll I'll be uh, bumping him up. But all right, we I, we got to let you get out of here so you can do NFL stock exchange, uh, so that I can listen to the episode as soon as possible. So, <laughs> <laughs> but appreciate you jumping on, man. This is this is a ton of fun. Uh, yeah, everyone check out Fantasy Football Happy Hour NFL Stock Exchange. Um, which what episode are you guys going to be recording? We are doing. A no notes today, which is just like general topics, but the end of the week we are doing quarterbacks. So that's okay. gonna be that's gonna be a doozy. Um and the full thing, we're gonna have at least 10 ranked. So it's a pretty pretty big week, honestly. All right. Great stuff, man. Appreciate it. Dude, thanks, thanks for so having much me. for coming on. Absolutely, absolutely. We'll be back uh on this feed with more rookie talk later in the week. We'll see everyone then.